Welcome to the EdTech Coaches Corner. This is your host, Matthew Ketchum, your neighborhood-friendly technology coach. Today, we're going to be sitting down with Amber Yumman, who is a high school English teacher, and she's also the school site technology coach in her own right, a mighty technology coach, as you will hear, as she has the best of both worlds. She has a classroom and also the technology coach role at her school site. She's going to share with us five incredible tools that you can be using in your classroom. So these are five tools that you can start to look at, investigate, try them out one by one. Uh, these are great tools even during the summer to start looking at how you might incorporate in your classroom. She'll be going over Flipgrid for student voice. She'll share about Padlet, an online collaborative board. She'll also be talking about Classcraft, a behavioral management tool. And she's going to showcase Kialo, a discourse discussion tool that can be used in the classroom. And her fifth tool is one that she uses mostly as a teacher to create desktop publishing and design called Canva. So let's get started and let's talk with Amber. Hi, my name is Amber Youngman. I teach English at Johansson High School, and I'm kind of the technology coach on campus, uh, part of a diff position, but also just geared mostly towards technology. I really like always visiting with Amber because she has that really great balance of being a teacher in the classroom and a technology coach. And she has, I guess, if you would say, the best of both worlds. Absolutely, absolutely. I get to a uh, use my students as guinea pigs a lot okay. <laughs> you know if there's a new tech tool um, and you've actually done this with me if there's a tech tool you want to see actually be used and utilized in the classroom i'm able to just do that with my students and see the pitfalls see uh, i make the mistakes early uh, so i can let my teachers on campus know and other teachers know hey maybe don't do this or this worked out great and um i'm usually pleasantly surprised about how something works out and then sometimes something doesn't work out and I kind of get to gear my instruction based off of that. Yeah, I really like going working with you mm -hmm. because you do have that authentic classroom to say, hey, this is a pretty neat tech tool. I think there's some learning possibilities with it, but what does it really look like in the classroom? Right. Students using it. Right. There's a lot of things I think that we don't take into account. And I'm that type of person that will see a tech tool and I'll 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 use it the next day if we want to. And um, that's been to my benefit and been to my failure often. And and that's okay. My students are really used to seeing me fail with something in my class. It's kind of become part of our culture. And, and it's like, okay guys, well, that didn't work. Let's let's move on, let's try something different. And I might go back to that tech tool and try it again in different circumstances and be successful or I could fail again and that's okay. I, you know that message of like failing forward mm -hmm. and that everything has to be, you have to know everything right away or be perfect at something. So I think that's a good model that you're showing in the class. Thank you, thank you. I definitely try that. I want my students, um, and I teach some of the pre-AP classes or the honors classes. And, and those students really find it difficult to fail because they've been yes. they've been perfect their whole lives. And uh -huh. and I kind of have to change that a little bit and say it's it's okay 
to not be perfect because that will help you be perfect later on. You have to work for it and, and realize where your shortcomings are so you can make those better. And, and sometimes for me, that's jumping right in without thinking and that's okay. And I, 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 I haven't quite learned my lesson on that, but I'm okay with that. <laughs> so today we're gonna be uh, talking with Amber about five of her favorite tech tools that she's using in the classroom in this moment. We Sometimes we like to say in this moment. Oh, absolutely. I feel like my, I have a, a rotation of favorite tech tools and it's really depending on the time of year and what I'm using with my students the most time. You know, I could be really focused on one tech tool at the beginning of the year and it could fade out and either something new will replace it or it's just served its purpose at that point in time and, and I won't use it again until the next year. And so the ones I'm gonna be talking about today have have been ones that have been in my rotation pretty heavily in the last month or two. All right, so let's get started. What is the first tech app that you like to share? So these are in no particular order because I feel like I could not even begin to rank them, but I've been using and just really loving Flipgrid a lot at this time. Um, for those of you who are not familiar with Flipgrid, Flipgrid is Oh man, it's it's this amazing tool that gives students a voice in your class. They're able to record short videos uh, about any topic that you set and present to them. The format is really cool. It has the topic right there for them. It's really easy for the students to use and utilize and um, they're able to then view each other's videos and then respond in a video comment. Um, so here are some reasons why I really, really like this tool. I am the type of teacher where I get overwhelmed with all of the standards that we have to hit, and I know I'm not the only one out there, and yeah. because I teach English, obviously my focus is on reading and writing, right? Um, but we also have two other components that we have to hit a lot, and that's listening and speaking, and I used to just I wouldn't say ignore those, but they were just on the back burner for me. And I knew I was really frustrated and I knew I needed a way to really bring in an authentic, interesting new way to have my students use their listening and speaking skills with one another. And I had gone to a conference. I don't even remember what it was. It might've been like an ETC conference or some other tech conference. And I saw this tool called Flipgrid. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to try it. And I did. And then Flipgrid exploded, right? <laughs> uh -huh. we, we call it Flipgrid fever now. It kind of exploded overnight. And I had to, in the beginning, like I was back where you had to pay for a teacher account, right? And now Microsoft owns Flipgrid and it's free and available to every single teacher. And I got refunded and I was like, this oh, is great. so sweet. Yeah, so sweet. They have a great team. I actually just went to go see, they're doing like a tour of California right now. Uh -huh. um, and I went with another teacher, Scott Noons from Enox High School. I went with another teacher and we went to go see them and just the passion that they have was really cool. And to see what their students are doing and the students all over the United States States was really amazing and it's so inspiring and there's so many ways to use it so some of the ways that I've used it I've used it as a book discussion I've used it as um, an intro into something so for example when we started a poetry unit I had my students go on to Flipgrid and tell me why do you think we still study poetry? What's its importance to the world? Which generated a really interesting conversation. I've been thinking of having um, students, if I wanted them to write a narrative, 
maybe start with that, start filming out a narrative and a story or presenting it like that. Um, I've had students share poetry through that. There's just so many different ways cross-curricularly to use it as well. And it's just a very visual, cool way to have your students um, have you know that autonomy and their voice heard in your classroom. I've heard from teachers that they've said that students are even practicing because because they know it's going to be recorded audio or video. Oh, absolutely! They get so um, some of them get worried, right? Okay. Some of them get worried because they know that other people are going to be watching them, and and it's um, one of the things that I really have to take into account is um, the anxiety level of my students, but. At the same time, we have to balance that with the idea that public speaking is one of the best tools that you're ever going to learn in your life for our students. It helps them in job interviews, which that's the goal, right? Yes. To get them a job that they love and that provides for them and supports them. Um, and just being able to communicate is such a powerful tool with one another. So um, we've had ups and downs with it. Um, and sometimes that's due to teacher error. And sometimes that's due to the student just really not knowing what to do. And so we really have to front load that. And that's how I know, you know, if the students are getting it or not, there's a quality that's to a good video and we can compare and contrast. What's great about Flipgrid is that you can attach a rubric to it. Um, and you can obviously communicate that to your students. I do example videos all the time. Flipgrid allows you to do that as an introduction to my students. I'll film myself. So I step out of my own comfort zone okay. because I'm expecting my students to do it. And yes. so, you know, if I, I'm not ever going to ask them to do something that I'm not willing to do myself. And it's just, um, sometimes it has to warm up to them i will say that so if you're going to use flipgrid sometimes i've had just oh man they love it on the first go round uh, and then sometimes i have to build up and do smaller things first with them to get them engaged and involved um, but really just talking about the importance of being able to speak with them helps them overcome it and then you just see them shine and it's great and i like that since microsoft has purchased flipgrid it's completely free for our teachers to use. It does require that only students that have our domain, yes. that monet.k12.ca.us domain, can be in it. So you're not getting outside people coming in. And teachers have moderation tools. Absolutely. And so nothing goes on there that I don't know about. And in fact, um, with the current class that I have right now, this is where I really love being a teacher and a coach at the same time. Um, <laughs> they really balked at the idea. I wanted to have both my first period and my third period all on one grid, you could say, so all of them would be able to see each other's videos. And for some weird reason, I was not expecting this. My um, like first period was okay if it was just them. They didn't want their friends in third period to be able to see them, but it was okay if their friends in I don't understand it, I don't get it. <laughs> so they balked at this idea of just being able to um, have everyone see them and they didn't want that. And so I just set the settings to where only I would be able to see it. They could still get the assignment done. Um, they still did what I wanted them to do. We just didn't bring in the other component yet. And so we're going to work up to that. That's a building block that we're going to work up to. What's really awesome is that it's not only for students. I don't know if you've kind of seen the PD boards that are on Flipgrid. I have, you know, during the summer there, uh, there was actually a book club 
that was taking place with like 400 educators throughout the country. And every week we would read a chapter of the book and then we would, there'd be a question posted in Flipgrid yeah. by the author. And then we could all respond by video and reply to each other's video. And so we had like a book club through Flipgrid. That's so awesome. So awesome. And um, there's like this huge, Flipgrid has a ton of resources too. So if you ever just visit their site and look at teacher resources, they're just on the ball and they really just want to make themselves accessible to educators and they have whole boards just based on your curriculum there's a whole ela board there's a whole high school ela board which i was just uh really gearing up towards um they have yeah math, absolutely science. and i was even thinking like you know what are those departments at our school that really are i don't want to say resistant to technology but they really feel like it does not have a place and maybe it doesn't like for example the physical arts right physical education they are all about movement, right? Well, Flipgrid would be a really great tool if you have to bring technology into your classroom. Flipgrid would be great for like PE. Like you can have the students film themselves showing proper form, do a what I eat in the day for nutrition, right? Yes, like yes. how cool, I just started thinking about that and I don't even <laughs> teach PE and I'm like, that would be a really great way to get some of our teachers who really feel like technology is not for them. It is, it is. There are great tools out there um, if you're willing to use them. Yeah, I think I think this is a fantastic tool to hear their learning. Yes, absolutely, and it's it's um, it's definitely a um, hitting those kind of twenty first century skills that a lot of teachers are not really hitting if we're going to be honest. Um, I mean, we have these great devices in our classroom, and a lot of teachers are still um, just putting regular worksheets online, which is not a bad thing, but why do we have these tools, right? How could we take these devices further and how could we get these students creating? I love what you just said so much that I see is more consumption, mm -hmm. but we want to move towards those, like you said, 21st century skills. Uh, what is that critical thinking, creativity, Absolutely. communication, collaboration? Absolutely, and, and Flipgrid kind of helps uh, students hit all of it. I've, I've used it in so many different ways, even if it's just for a quick little thing, the videos can go up to, I think like five minutes, or 30 seconds if you wanted it to. So um, it's quick, easy. It does take a little bit longer to grade uh, if, if that's something that, that people are worried about. But um, you know, sometimes it's more of a participation thing. Um, and like I said, the rubric does make it easy to grade. You just have to, and, and this is something teachers maybe need to do more too. It requires you to listen to your kids. Yeah, and I, I think this is a fantastic tool. We'll definitely put, as Amber said, there's so many resources with Flipgrid. There's integration documents, how to match your subject area and grade level, and we'll put those in the show notes. What is your next tech tool that you have? So this is a tool that I had completely failed with okay. before. So Padlet, Padlet, P-A-D-L-E-T, Padlet. It is at its core, an online bulletin board. And that sounds so simple, right? <laughs> uh -huh. It sounds so simple, but if you use your brain, you can absolutely make it work for your classroom. So I just spoke on this actually at our um, ETC conference at Stan State. Fantastic. Um, and I talked about kind of moving beyond the worksheet, kind of what we were just talking about, going into 21st century skills. And um, Padlet is one of those tools that's so versatile. It can be used for a lot of different things. It could be used for like a storyboard, it could be used for a mood board. It could be used to um, do a live back channel chat if students have a Q&A or something like that, which I use a lot during Socratic seminars. Um, normally in Socratic seminars, only one student is talking. 
but I want to make sure everybody else in the room is listening. So they're on a back channel chat that I'm in charge of, and I'm watching them discuss digitally while a person is talking as well. And so that's really been a really cool tool. I wanted to use it. Um, so this is where I failed once. Uh, the first time I used it, uh, this was one of those moments where I just kind of jumped right in and I was not as familiar with the tool as I should have been. And so I got frustrated when like my students couldn't access something and then we had to stop class and I had to do it. So that was my downfall. I really should have taken more time. Um, the second time, because I'm not a quitter, the second time <laughs> I tried to use it, um, I wanted to use it while we were watching a film in class. And I wanted to make sure that my students were actually, you know, paying attention to the film. And so we would stop and I would post a question on Padlet that the students would be answering as the movie is still continuing to go to make sure it's kind of checking in with them. That was a horrible mistake. Um, I was not able to monitor as quickly as I should have been able to. Conversations were happening that shouldn't have been happening online and I got really frustrated with the maturity level of my students and that day was a wash and I stopped using Padlet for a little bit because I was really frustrated. And then last December, I had a question I wanted to ask myself. Um, we were in the middle of a novel study of Frankenstein and I'm like, do I really want to do another study guide? Do I really want them to just sit down and write out questions and just be the same thing that I've done for the last six years? And the answer, of course, was no. I wanted to find a new way to have my students engage with the text, um, but still answer those really critical questions that they needed to hit, like characters, main events, themes, you know, symbolism and, and other literary devices throughout. And so I started thinking about collaboration and I wanted my students to collaborate more. And I, I started thinking to myself, well, what if they make a collaboration board where they identify the most important things that they need to find in this novel? And I thought, well, you know what? Padlet seems like it could be a great way to do that. And um, so I didn't require them to use Padlet at first. We had kind of our first few chapters and I said, you know what, use whatever tool you want to. You can use Google Slides, you can use Padlet. Here's this thing called Padlet that you could use. Uh -huh. um, or, you know, you could do running notes on a Google Doc, whatever the case may be. And uh, the quality was not where I wanted it to be. But I really liked the way that Padlet looked and students are able to work on the same board at the same time, like Google, right? Which I think is one of the strongest points of Google is the collaboration. So then I changed my thinking and I said, you know, I really want to do this because I want them to be able to look back and have this resource. So then I created what I call a template on Padlet where it had these questions and I broke my students up into groups and I kind of assigned each group a board and made them be able to write on my board then. And it just exploded. The, wow. It looked so cool. They were giving me these really great answers, but above all, it was the conversations that they were having. They were arguing with each other about what important event made it onto the board and if it was important enough, what important characters and if they were important enough. And I had a student, it was so funny. He was like, I don't think I've ever talked so much about a book. And I'm like, I know, right? And so Padlet was really just this great tool to help um, start that conversation, start that discussion. Um, and then we did it again, and, and they really worked together to create one product, which is the definition of collaboration, which I don't think a lot of us are, like, hitting. Uh -huh. Like, students will do partner work, but they all just have their own little section to do. This requires them 
to all hit the same thing. So I required each student to answer. So for example, they had to give me 10 important events. Well, they couldn't put the same event down. So they really had to talk with one another and post in order what events there were. So they were like calling it out and then they were arguing. And so it was really a great day. Like if I really wish I was observed that day, you know what I mean? Cause like that was like a really great lesson. And then we ended up doing it again for Shakespeare, Midsummer Night's Dream. And it was just really awesome to really talk about the effectiveness of yes. that. The point was to be able to give my students a resource that they could look back on for their final test on Frankenstein. Okay. I've given this test about two years in a row. Um, I switched some questions, but the core of it is the same. Um, and so I, I had really bright students last year. I have really bright students this year about the same level of ability. And I gave it to these students after we did those collaborative padlets as opposed to just the normal study guides I had given my students in the past. And there was a 10% increase in That's our class amazing. average. Yeah. Wow. Um, and then I asked them at the end because I was really curious. I was like, so how, how confident did you feel during that test? Like, this gentleman, that was so easy. And I'm thinking in my head, they're like, man, you should have made that harder. And I'm thinking, <laughs> oh, children, if you only knew. It's, it's kind of like I planned it, huh? <laughs> And so, um, but that was good. I, I gave them that confidence just to see that like they, you know, they're normally terrified of some of my tests as they should be. And um, they, they rocked it. And it was, they got a 90% class average on that. In fact, I was like, dang, okay, maybe I do need to make it harder now. And so that was just a really cool visual way. Um, and it's just a, a different way of, of doing the same kind of thing, but making our students go above and beyond. And I like the fact that, you know, we we as teachers, we don't need to know every five or ten tech apps, but it is good to have a, maybe one or two or three in the toolbox that you can rotate. So like you were saying, Google Docs, you can collaborate, you might be able to do this. But kind of we talk about learning spaces mm -hmm. physically, yes. but also learning spaces in the digital form where if it's the same place I'm always writing my essay, is that the same place I'm gonna have that creativity, mm -hmm. uh, that critical thinking that I might have in this situation? And I like how you're trying to changing up, having just a couple of tools in your toolbox because it is kind of igniting their interest in a different way being in a new space. Absolutely. I have, you know, my tried and true apps that I use all the time, but I'm always trying something new because something might just be better for my needs and my students' needs at that point in time. Um, and so I'm, I, I really have to be cognizant of that. And I always have to be willing to try new things. Um, and it can get overwhelming. It really, really can. But, you know, stick with those that you know and then try to add one new thing uh, whenever you can. And, and you're going to... It took me a long time to kind of get to where I am with my ease of using tech in the classroom and really critically thinking on my own about how I'm going to use this in my instruction. But the more comfortable you are with it, the better it gets. That's fantastic. Now, Padlet, just to share, uh, there's a free plan and a paid plan. Yes, I do have the paid plan. Um, this was one of my mistakes okay. that I made early on. Um, they also have this thing called Backpack, which is an educator tool. Um, and so they let you try that free for 30 days. And I knew I was only going to be using it at most for like a two-week section in my class. 
So I got that educator version and I was ready to go. I had made that template that I was talking about. We, um, we had it in class because on the free version, you are limited to only four Padlet boards. So depending on the number of classes you have, the number of students you have, the number of groups you wanna make, four can run out super quick. So I started thinking, okay, well, with the educator one, I think you get unlimited. Oh, Lord, I should have looked into it a little bit more. Um, class started. I was trying to get my students signed on to Padlet through the educator way because it's not through uh -huh. the normal Padlet way. I had thought that I could just give them the link to my Padlet yes. once they made a free account on their own through the student version. But no, apparently they had to be like connected to my class online on Padlet through their domain name. It got really complicated really quickly. And I am not dissing that educator version. If I had taken yes. more time to really um, go through it, and I think it would be really great for like elementary schools uh -huh. um, where that control is absolutely necessary. Oh man, so I kind of stopped for a second. I regrouped and then I was like, okay, you know what? I'm just gonna buy the pro version right now, it's $99 for a year, which is steep, but I literally took out my credit card in class, I bought it, I gave them the links, we went on with the lesson and it ended up being perfect. But keep that in mind, um, different plans you need for different uses in your class. And with Padlet, it's not a district paid app, so this would be something if you're looking at it, is that something in the department or the site, talking with your admin? Absolutely, and and I thought about how much I was going to use it. And I thought, you know what? I'm, I'm gonna pay this forward to see how I'm going to use it. And I ended up using it at least eight more times in my class for two class periods. So to me, that ended up being worth it. And, and the year's not even over, right? So I still have my whole year all the way up until October to keep using it. And I've already used it uh, enough times for me to justify to myself the cost. I would say this is a, if you like Pinterest kind of curation yes. tools, yes. this would be matching. Well, and I started really well. thinking, how am I going to use this now next year too in other different ways? Because like I said, it's so versatile. It's just limited by your imagination, right? Uh -huh. So um, I've started thinking like, how am I going to get my students reading outside of class, independent reading? And I've never, I've never gotten a good system, okay. right? Never gotten a good system. So I'm thinking, well, what if we have, like Flipgrid had digital book clubs through film. What if we had a Padlet book club where I would post a question every week and students had to post on their book, oh, right? And it. so I was like, okay, well, let's let's see how that goes. And I don't know if it's gonna happen or if it's gonna work, but it's an idea. One, one of the, I went to a conference and the um, uh, conference was using Padlet. And so we would come in a room, we would pick a room based on our interests. And then there was three main questions in the Padlet. What are your questions for today? Mm -hmm. What resources can you share? Mm -hmm. And then how are you using it in the classroom? And we would all post our question. We would go around the room and we would kind of share ideas and answer each other's questions. But as we're answering them, we're putting the resources back in the Padlet. Right. And teachers who had experience with it were putting their stories of how it was being used in the classroom. Yeah. And it became this wealth of a resource after that conference to go back to. Absolutely. And I, I think even using it with, you know, staff trainings or PLC. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think, again, so versatile. They have different templates 
students for different needs, different ways of arranging that information. And you as the teacher also have a lot of control. There is a moderation tool as well where you can approve posts before students even do it. So you have that control. Um, and it's just, again, uh, I'm, I'm big on visuals. I'm big on a visual space. Uh, I want my students to be able to, to see something and, and really be proud of what they've created. And, and Padlet lets you do that. Fantastic. And then your next tool is something that I talked to you about. Absolutely. And go ahead and share this next tool that uh, you really are using really well in your class. I hope I'm using it well in my class. <laughs> so um, this next one is called Classcraft, and it's it's a little out there. Um, I always say that it's Class Dojo on steroids. Yes. Uh, right. That's a Absolutely. Good one. Um, so elementary school teachers know about Classroom Dojo, and I'm sure even some high schoolers know about class or high school teachers, I should say, know about Class Dojo. Class Dojo is a way that um, students create like a, a little avatar and you can give them points based on good behavior and takeaway points right so it's a really simplistic system I've used class dojo in my class before but what would always happen is I would be really strong for the first like six weeks of school and then I would stop using it I would forget to use it the students would forget like the little monster avatars that they can create are cute but you know um, I, I needed something more mature I needed something for a more mature audience and I had a teacher come into my classroom and she was a, a brand new teacher and she's really big on tech and she was like hey have you heard about classcraft and I'm like what is that so I looked it up that day and so um I am not, I'm just going to preface this, I'm not like a video gamer, I'm not uh, anything like that. In fact, I only just got into like Dungeons and Dragons like last year, right? <laughs> but this is like World of Warcraft for your classroom. It is insane, but at its core, it's a behavioral management tool. I wanted to be able to reward my students for hitting the expectations that I have for them in class and penalizing them if they are breaking whatever expectations that they know they should not be breaking. Um, and so it's a way for you to set up, um, like I said, they call them rules, but expectations of good behavior in your class, um, as well as penalties that you can create for them. Um, and so students, if they are behaving the way that you're expecting them, can earn XP or experience points. So any gamers out there, you know what that is. Um, and if they are not meeting those expectations, they lose health points or HP. If they lose enough health points, you can, in essence, kill your student uh, virtually, and they would have to do something for you. My biggest consequence is like, you know, you have to stay behind and clean up my classroom or whatever the case may be, but you're so able to completely customize everything, and students can create this really cool avatar. Um, they could choose like a character, right? Like a healer, a mage, a warrior, and so that's also really cool. It really gets them invested into it, um, and then also by being good, they can earn gold throughout the game and um, like buy new armor to really customize their their avatar pets different things like that and then the more XP that they earn the better that they are in my classroom they earn specialized powers so for example one of my powers is called invisibility right so if I randomly call on a student they could use their invisibility and pretend like they don't exist for a second and so I'd have to call on somebody else um, for my struggling students I, I make a special power to where if they have enough XP they could just ask me during a test is this question right and all I'll say is yes or no 
but they can use that power. And so it's really beneficial to them. Um, and then using it every day has become really easy because it's not just giving points, taking points away. Uh, Classcraft has a ton of teacher tools that I use all the time. Um, it has like a random caller, it has a stopwatch, it has a volume meter, it has all these really cool things, but it also has this random event of the day um, and you can create these or Classcraft has some already made. And I start every class period with a random event just to kind of get my students engaged uh, ready to learn. We, we have a laugh or two, you know, and it's uh -huh. really just a random event. Like a student could earn a thousand XP or they could lose like 50 HP. And it's just sometimes ugh, my students' favorite ones is the one where I have to sing for them. <laughs> if you're not comfortable with that, of course, you could take that one off and pretend like it never existed. But um, they love that. And so I just really, I've seen a change in my class because of it. And if you're struggling with your classroom management, it might be one of those tools that really just helps. I, I'm amazed, like you're saying, that's a classroom behavior reward system. But I am always amazed at how well it works in the classroom. But students really are wanting to do well to get those points. Absolutely. And you're, you're using it too, right? I am. So I'm using it with a junior high coding class. And I will have to say, they rather go into Classcraft uh -huh. to modify their avatars and, and get those experience points, uh, even before we want to get to coding right now. So there, the excitement is there, definitely, for Classcraft, which is great for me because I can utilize that a lot for different behaviors that I'm wanting to see in that classroom. Yes, it, you know, from a teacher perspective, being honest, you can hold a lot of stuff over their heads. and. I don't want to say threaten, but nicely threaten them, you know, if they're not doing what you want them to do. And I've ha also had the same experience with you. Um, sometimes I have to tell them to get off of Classcraft <laughs> because it's time to work and they're so involved in, in learning. And then, you know, so running into some pitfalls with this. I have a boyfriend-girlfriend couple in my class and one of the powers that she has is the ability to change seats for a day. And she has to pay for it using the things that she's earned. But she's like an awesome kid. And so she earned so much to where I actually had to go in and change how much that power was worth because she was using it way like way too often and I was like girl you cannot sit next to him every day and so I also as a warning to my students I say I have the right to veto any power if it's just not something that you can use that day so you have to be aware of that um, and, and have some best practices as you're going throughout it and really learn it. Um, but it's really, really awesome. It does take some time to set up. We've learned this. Yes. Um, at the beginning of the year, it does take some time. But once you set it up, you're golden. And the other part of it is the teams. Mm -hmm. That has worked so well for me because I am putting them in different coding teams. But their self helping each other out because as a team they can get points and lose points. Absolutely. And if one of the team members, like let's say, virtually dies because they were not prepared, um, the whole team loses points. So it's really an accountability thing. Yes. Um, and you have to be very careful about the important things in your class and, and what it's worth. So for example, the biggest penalty in my class in this day and age is coming to school with your laptop not charged or forgetting your laptop altogether. You can lose like 30 HP points, where some of them only have 35 
in my class if you don't bring your laptop charged because I was having that issue so much. Cell phones, another huge thing in class. That could be a big penalty. Um, just talking rudely, just being uncivil. Um, so you just have to really think what's important in my class and what are the behaviors that I want to cultivate. And as a teacher, there is an app for your mobile device. Absolutely. So you can get points in the classroom. Walking around. Yes. Absolutely, walking around so you're not restricted. Um, and it's just, it really brings you, you know, you really get to forge that relationship depending on, like I said, some of those random events that I have to do. I have to do something silly. They have to do something silly. <laughs> it really cultivates that relationship and that bond. Um, and, and some people, it might not be for them, but it, it ended up working for me. Fantastic. Uh, the next tool is a discourse mm -hmm. tool you want to share? Absolutely. And I think you were the one that actually got me onto this I one. Think so. This was one of those times where you're like, hey, what do you think <laughs> of this? Uh, and I was like, okay, I'll use it in my classroom and let's see. So this tool is called Kialo, and I think I'm saying that correctly. Um, and and basically, it's like an online debate system, right? Uh -huh. um, you you have your students have a topic, and the students have to debate the pros and cons of that topic. Um, and now, before, a lot of people are thinking, well, that's just for English class. Oh, no. Like, I'm thinking in my head, history, science, anything that causes your students to talk to one another. This is a great tool uh, for you to use. And if there's some controversial issues, um, it's really, really awesome. And so basically the, the, the setup is that you have an issue. So for example, right now, my students and I are reading Pride and Prejudice, right? Um, and in the beginning of this story, there are two men that the heroine is really kind of considering. And so I wanted to ask my students, you know, right now, who is the better partner for her? And I really wanted to get into a literary debate, right? Okay. And so I set it up to where you have two theses. You don't have to set it up like this, but I set it up like that and so one of the theses was that Mr. Darcy is the ideal partner and the other one was Mr. Wickham is the ideal partner and so the students can go into whatever one they think is right and they have to write either a pro statement or a con statement and they have to justify it these are short sweet to the point but powerful and then they also have a voting capability so students can like upvote other students' responses. So there's that really great accountability. Um, and you can argue. So you do have to do a pro and con. And so let's say that there was a con that I really agreed with and it got me thinking about another subject. So for example, maybe somebody put that Mr. Darcy has more money than Mr. Wickham. Well, maybe somebody wrote, well, money isn't everything. What about love? And I'm like, oh yeah, okay. So what about like, so in other cultures though, Money is a huge deal, right? And so we just kind of branched off into uh -huh. a whole other debate too, um, which is really cool with Kialo. Um, and it's so visual. I, I hope people are gonna be able to like maybe see this yeah. kind of resource, okay. but um, after the debate is over, you're able to see what they call the topography of it. And it's this one screen of all of your students' responses and pros are green, cons are red, and you can see all of the branched out conversations. And it's this really cool revelation, right, of um, where your students went with this conversation. Um, we've used it talking about like, um, 
social issues like was this person right to do this uh, morality issues it's great during a rhetoric or debate type of unit where i'm teaching my students the use of ethos logos pathos um and i'm thinking like in my head science could absolutely use it for like you know talking about different aspects in their class historical events for history um it's it's a really cool tool and the really neat thing is you can keep it just private to your class yes there is public ones on the site but yes. you can do private ones absolutely and then not only that but the students names aren't posted to each other so i'm able to see who's posting what but the students aren't able to see and it, it gets really funny where like one of my students who's normally not very talkative he was like oh, oh check out mine check out mine well what'd you write bro oh i wrote this one go check it out and so they're like yelling across my classroom so this is not a quiet activity even though it's it's an online debate but they're they're talking about it too in real life and then sometimes like I'll go in um, and they don't know that it's me and I'll respond <laughs> to just to kind of stir the pot uh -huh. um, and you're really able to see what um, what pros and cons got the most response to it so you're really able to pinpoint where your student where your students are thinking right you can see what issues affected them the most and that they had the most to say or to talk about which would be really great as a follow-up um and it's it's i don't know like my students ask to use it again i definitely see a lot of potential that it's starting to share this more with our school sites and teachers using it in the classroom because that importance of that discourse yes i uh, i think we do need to bring that more into the classroom but what tools can we manage that with absolutely we can manage this discourse absolutely classroom. absolutely and kiala just makes it really easy of course there's other tools that you could potentially do this with right um but uh, Kialo kind of just did all of it for you in a really cool and visual way. Um, and it sparks conversation about what good discourse is. For example, uh, one of my students or Mr. Darcy ended up writing, well, he's probably ugly anyways. And of course, we all kind of stopped and was like, where's your evidence for that? And, and I'm not going to say that student was attacked, but that response got a ton of backlash, you know, where students are calling each other out for, for giving unsupported responses, which that was the whole point of this uh, thing. And, and you're really able to stop and have a conversation. Um, and then you're able to look at like which ones have been upvoted and really analyze, well, was this a good response? Was this, um, you know, important enough to put on there did they say it in a way that was academic and not um you know off-putting was this too combative are they able to think about this logically rather than emotionally and it just really sparks a whole new discussion and i like these tools that are really focused on a purpose because mm -hmm. even then your students they're going into that seeing that that's what this tool does and that's how they're going to start to use it absolutely and you know the best thing is that it's free excellent yeah yeah now, the next tool is something that you're using as a teacher, and I really like that you're creating these engaging images and graphics. What tool is that that you're using? So this tool is called Canva. So it's like Canvas, but without the S at the end, C-A-N-V-A, canva.com. And it's, it's um, at its core, it's a graphics designer, right? Yes. And I was trying to find a way. Uh, I was really bored with Google Slides and PowerPoint. I was really bored with like clip art and um, it just wasn't looking nice enough. And I'm a very aesthetic person, right? And, and I want my students to be 
expecting my products that I'm giving them to look a certain way. I want them to look professional. I want them to look visually engaging. Uh, and I, I've said this before that if it's not pretty, they're not going to want to look at it. Well, so much now that the introductional graphic or video is the hook or the first impression. Absolutely. And if it looks a certain way, it engages them right away. We've all seen those just standard worksheets that are boring because they've been done the same way for 50 years, right? Yes. Well, now we can step up our game a little bit. <laughs> and so I wanted to step up my game. And so I was looking online. I don't even remember how I found this, to be honest with you. It's been so long. Uh, but Canva, I just wanted to use it to design new presentations. And I don't know about any other teachers out there, but I spend like three hours making my presentations because I want them to look good. Um, and then I'm able to use them, you know, forever and ever. So I, I think that, that the work is worth the payoff. Um, and I need to be in charge of what my students see. Um, so a lot of a lot of teachers, and I don't condone this for them, like they go online and find a pre-made presentation. That's fine. That saves you time, saves you effort. I get it. We're all so busy and we need to find our shortcuts where we can. And if the information's fine, great. But I can't give that control to somebody else. I have, to, I'm the type of person that has to create it myself so I know exactly what I'm giving to my students. Um, and so I found Canva and I just started using it to make presentations and I could transfer my presentations into a presentation giver like Google Slides, PowerPoint. Um, basically it just makes the images for me. Um, and, and you can actually also use it as a presentation tool as well, but I don't use it like that. Um, but then, so, then I realized that Canva is not just a presentation builder. I have used Canva in so many different ways. I use it now to make handouts. I use it to make bookmarks. I use it to make flyers. I use it to make digital graphics to put onto Schoology for my students. I use it to make um, items for the breakouts that I do, like pieces of evidence. I use it to create banners for like my own Twitter and Instagram accounts. So I do use it personally as well. Um, um, I use it to help our school create uh, other different types of presentations. I use it for making thumbnails for my Schoology class. Um, just so many different ways to use this. And I think it's really elegant looking. I think they have a lot of great fonts, a lot of great graphics. Um, they do have a professional version that's a little excessive. It's like $10 a month, right? I use the free version and I've not really had an issue yeah, in using it. Yeah, I think as long as you stay with the free templates or even it has where you can search for graphics, just stay with the free graphics. Absolutely. And it has a lot of great free graphics. Um, I will say that this is something I use just for me. Uh, I don't have my students use Canva. I mean, of course, if they found it on their own and they wanted to use it, I'm not going to say no, but um, it's not as intuitive or easy to use, I guess you could say, as Google Slides, which makes it super simple, right? It does have pre-made templates already. Um, I also start from scratch many, many times, or I modify it, but um, it's just something new to kind of get used to. And I would definitely say Canva is more geared to like you as the teacher yes. or desktop publishing outside of the uh, a student realm. And then I would say in the in the classroom, uh, if you're wanting students to create their own graphics, real easy one is Adobe Spark, yes. which is more student appropriate. Yes. And that, but this Canva is fantastic for teachers themselves to create. Absolutely, and you know, like I said, I use it 
to make the aesthetic of my room what I want it to be. If you like, we're in my classroom right now. And so uh, if looking around, you could see posters that I've made using Canva. I, I post my rules, I have transitions, and it's something that I've just created on my own. So I'm invested in it. And the students see that I'm willing to work to make this a space that's welcoming for them. Thank you, Amber, for sharing. Oh, thank you so much for having me.